Our scripture passage this morning is from Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. Hear these words from the Gospel of Mark. Then he, Jesus, returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon toward the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hands on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed, and he said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is a story of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Okay, Ephatha, an Aramaic word that means be opened. Aramaic was the language of the streets, the language of the trade, the language that Jesus would have used when he taught, the language of his day. We here place a high priority on being open to God and to one another. And you know, I believe that if you really know something, if you really believe it, you can say it, you can speak it. And so this Aramaic word is a word that is worth learning. So I want you to have an opportunity to learn it. It's really, what's tricky about it is the double consonant. We don't do that in English, right? And it's three syllables, F-fa-tha, F-fa-tha. Will you try saying it with me? F-fa-tha, F-fa-tha, F-fa-tha. Be opened. Be opened. Last week, I traveled out to Laity Lodge for a retreat. And as I was packing to leave for the weekend, I took my work keys, my keys for the church, out of my purse. I wouldn't need them, and I didn't want to lose them. However, when I returned on Sunday evening back at the church, I spent a good amount of time this week being locked out of places that I belonged. (laughs) I couldn't get into a classroom where I was supposed to be to teach for class. I couldn't get into my own office without some help. I couldn't get into the sanctuary when I needed to be in there without a little help. It was as if Ephatha was the cry of my heart this week. Be opened. Let me in for crying out loud. Be open. When my grandfather was in his last couple of years, he repeated to me a couple of times a story about the two of us. When I was a preschool-aged kid, my family would visit my grandparents out in the hill country where they had a piece of land in Blanco County. And on this land, there were two houses a barn that my grandfather had transformed into a house where he and my grandmother slept. And then downhill, there was the original house on the property where 
the grandchildren and their parents slept. Most mornings, I was set free to walk the path, to walk the sidewalk between the uh, house up to the barn house, between the two houses up to the barn house for peanut butter toast with my grandfather. And I'm guessing now that I'm an adult with children of my own that my parents went back to bed, but I'm not certain. (laughs) My grandfather had this memory of me sitting outside of the barn house on the steps crying because I was locked out. In his last years, it was like my presence would trigger this memory with him. And he felt really bad about it. He wanted to talk about it. Okay, I didn't remember it. And so I would say to him, I'm okay, Grandpa. I don't remember when that happened. The reason I think that I don't remember it is because my grandfather loved me very well. And I'm pretty certain that as soon as he could, he got that door unlocked, he opened up the barn house, he welcomed me in, and he fed me. I never, never doubted his delight in me. It's what I want for the church, this church and every church, to be a place where people are welcomed, where they're delighted in, where they're well-fed. We strive for this to be opened. But I have to admit, it's not easy. It is difficult. There are obstacles in the way. An open faith community is comprised of open people, and I find that there are times when I'm just not open. My primary impediment or disability is that I know a lot, or I operate with that assumption that I know what I'm doing. Now, there's no need to dwell on this, but you could certainly ask my children or corner my husband when he's around. He would tell you that I enter most situations with some hefty expectations, that I know what's going to happen, I can handle this, and I'm not open to new information. I know what I'm doing. In the very next chapter of Mark, in chapter 8, Jesus will warn the disciples Beware the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. They are so puffed up with their own importance, so in control, so certain that they know how the world works, they will ruin you. Being relieved of my know-it-all, being reminded that I don't, is more often than not a saving grace for me. The Pharisees have another disability, and it's one that I sometimes struggle with too. The Pharisees protect and defend their own tradition. I find that I'm least open when I'm defending or protecting because my guard is up, because I want to fight. Right before Jesus cries out, Ephatha, he turns to the Pharisees and he says, You honor God with your lips, but your hearts are far from God. You set aside the commands of God to observe your own traditions. He says, you set aside God to hold on to human tradition. We're given a couple of categories here, the commands of God and the traditions of people. The trouble is sorting it out, isn't it? 
Which rules go where? How do I distinguish between what is essential to God and the rules that just simply make me comfortable? I believe the answer is to use the stories of Jesus. To filter rules, to filter the commands through the gospel, through the good news. When asked which command was the greatest, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then we know some other things about Jesus from the gospel stories. We know that he pushes those who are in power to do better. We know that he goes to great lengths to include outsiders. When Jesus teaches, he doesn't simply fill in the blanks, give direct answers. At best, he pushes people deeper. But often his teaching, his parables, just confuse the people around him. He is Messiah, the Son of God, but his glory is revealed in a very strange way when he suffers and dies. It's not what the people around him expected, and this Son of Man calls the people around him to share in his suffering, to share in a sacrificial way of life. And the crazy thing about it is it's how we live best. Losing life to gain it. St. Francis prayed this, It is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Gordon Hempton taught me this week about the importance of hearing, the importance of the human ear. Gordon Hempton is an ecologist, and he founded Quiet Parks International. He has compiled a list of the last great quiet places on earth. He says there are only 12 remaining in the United States. Every higher vertebrate species has the ability to hear, but every higher vertebrate species does not have the ability to see. Sight is an affordable luxury, and the quick evidence is the eyelid. Our eyes don't always have to be opened, but it's very hard to close your ears. Not once in the fossil record do we have evidence that a species developed ear lids. (laughs) Hearing is that important. It's important for living. It's important for thriving. Hempton says that humans have a very discreet bandwidth of super sensitive hearing. And he wonders if our ears didn't evolve for this particular pitch. It's not the pitch of the human voice or not much of it. It's a rather high pitch, our super sensitive hearing. He says it's the pitch of bird song. The ability to hear birds sing and to hear birds sing clearly, to hear them sing well. Why would this matter? Hempton says it's because birdsong is the primary indicator of habitats that are prosperous for people. Where birds are singing is where we should be. It's been to our benefit to follow the songs of birds to find places where we can thrive. 
There are places where people thrive spiritually. There might be some bird song there. I don't know. I do like bird song. But there is one thing that is definitely there. One thing in places where people are growing spiritually, and that's sacrifice. People are willingly giving of themselves generously. And disciples call that the way of Jesus. Spiritually speaking, it's birdsong. It's a sign of life for us. I believe this story in Mark's gospel about the deaf man healed is not so much about this unnamed man as it is about Jesus. The only other time that the Bible uses the Greek word to describe a speech hearing impediment is in Isaiah 35, and we read responsibly from that earlier. The deaf ears will be unstopped and the mute tongue will shout for joy. These are signs that God's salvation has been fulfilled. The story of Mark tells us that God's salvation is in front of us in the person of Jesus. Now, I must admit that there are pieces to Jesus' story, especially in Mark's gospel, that are just downright confusing and puzzling. When I'm simply overwhelmed or confused, I find it hard to be open. But Mark's gospel tells me, and New Testament scholar Luke Timothy Johnson confirms, that I'm in good company when I'm confused. The disciples in Mark's gospel are often confused and puzzled. They don't get it. They are insiders, given the mystery of the kingdom of God, and yet so often throughout this story of good news, they don't get it. They can't put it together. They don't understand it. There are times in this gospel when the disciples simply look downright foolish. Immediately after this healing, Jesus will feed a crowd of 4,000 people. He'll join the disciples in a boat, and they'll have a discussion, and he will say to them these words, Do you still not understand? Do you have eyes, but you don't see? Do you have ears, but you don't hear? Yes, they do. They do have eyes, but they don't see. They do have ears, but they don't hear. And we do too. The good news is that there is hope for every single one of us. When we are confused, when we are bound up, when we are restrained, this is a story of hope. The Son of God brings a touch on the place in our life where we are bound, and he breathes a sigh of spirit that brings new life. And we are opened. We are opened. Would you pray with me? Eternal God in the person of Jesus the Christ, you are in fact mystery revealed. 
And yet so often mystery remains beyond our grasp. You are God and we are not. We need you and we admit to the limitations of mystery. We place in your healing presence the parts of our lives that need liberation. Where we are confused, Lord, breathe clarity. Where we are confined, Lord, inspire freedom. Release us to serve you and serve you well. Amen.